Welcome back to the 14th episode of the CEO Journey podcast, where we talk about all things entrepreneurship, advice, and personal development. Today, we have an incredibly special guest on the pod, a serial entrepreneur and incredibly inspirational businesswoman, Stephanie Taylor. Stephanie, thank you so much for popping on. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on here. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm really good. Thanks, Tommy. It's great to be joining you. Well, no, thank you very much. And it's clear you've been through, you know, an incredibly inspirational journey through entrepreneurship. So if you could just briefly start off by introducing yourself and what you currently do. Yeah. Um, so I run the businesses with my sister. We're owners of HMO Heaven, which is an award-winning property management company. We're property investors. We do small developments between four and 12 units, blocks of flats, commercial to residential conversions. And uh, we started Rent to Rent Success to help non-traditional investors get started in property. And we're authors of the number one best-selling book, Rent to Rent Success, host of the top 1.5% podcast, Rent to Rent Success, and winner of Inspirational Person of the Year last year. So that's me in a nutshell. Wow, that's incredible. Um, so with all like inspirational entrepreneurs I have on the podcast, I'd love to start off by gaining context about um, themselves as an entrepreneur. So Stephanie, if we could just start off with your earlier life, what was your childhood and upbringing like? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, I, I listened to the pod, so I kind of know that you go back in time and I haven't really uh, talked about, you know, my young family life and I've been on lots of podcasts. Um, but yeah, we grew up, um, mum and dad, um, my dad was in the army, but he'd come back after 16 years in the army. Um, he was at home then and my mum was a nurse and then she became a social worker. Uh, they came over from Jamaica were in their early teens, both mm. of them. And uh, my dad was in the British army and he was, so he had that kind of strict, um, he was very into, oh gosh, I can't think what's called the rules. Social, he was very into etiquette, yeah. etiquette, because in the army, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as he got up through the ranks, then there was different etiquette officers, mess and this and that. So, um, he was very much into that. So he brought a different dimension. I think he was very forward thinking, mm-hmm. uh, for the 1970s. Um, and my mum was kind of old school, very practical. And my dad was a bit more of a thinker, philosopher type of guy. Yeah. And um, was there anything in particular throughout your childhood or earlier life that really shaped the, I guess, motivated and um, opportunistic person you are today? I think my dad did have the idea. I don't know if I totally believed it, that we could do anything. Mm. And he did have um, a way of thinking about thinking. What, What I mean by that is that we're all in charge of our own emotions, that nobody else is responsible no matter what they do, which was, it's it's more of a, a well-known thing now. But I think then it was kind of um, different. I remember we were going to pick my mum up um, in the car and she'd been away overnight. And um, I was really annoyed with my sister because she hadn't done the cleaning up that she was going to do. And I had done this tidying for her. And, um, and my dad was like, no, that's up to me. It's up to me if I do it, A, and how I feel about it also. It's all up to me. It's nothing to do with my sister, which I couldn't get my head around at the time. But that would have stood me in good stead if I had understood it. And um, I think my mum was just such a hard worker. Yeah. Um, you know, at, at times she had more than one job. And wow. she she was so good at home. She was such an incredible homemaker crochet knitter just you know 
our beds, everything always looked perfect. Mm. And I, I and, and she worked outside of the home as well. So she she was just an incredible whirlwind. Mm-hmm. No, were you always driven at a young age or no? I mean, I, I liked school. I, I was good with words. I was good at school. I was a bit of a teacher's pet kind of person. I was very shy, didn't was not cool in whatsoever. Um and yeah, I was I was just shy. I was just kind of unsure of myself, I think. And did you feel like you ever had a chip on your shoulder to achieve success? Or was there anything that directly motivated you? I'm not one of those people. Like I, I know a lot of people, they just know right from the beginning that at school they know they're going to be successful, they know they're going to be rich, they make that decision and that's it for them. I was more like just swayed by wherever life took me. I didn't really realize that I had so much control over what was going to happen, um, which sounds crazy, but it's only in the last sort of um, six years that really it's all come together. And uh, I feel like I'm in charge of my destiny. No, hundred percent. And did you face any hardship growing up or even like progressing past school? What hardship did you face? <clears throat> yeah, well, um, I think my life would have gone a very different way, but I got pregnant when I was 18 and had a baby uh, just before my 19th birthday, Alex. And so bringing him up. So that was just, uh, I obviously didn't have great self-esteem. I was really struggling financially and, um, you know, I had some help from my family, but really I had to work things out and, uh, I did to a certain degree. I was always taking that next step in front of me forward, but my horizon was so low. What I thought I could do was so low compared mm. with what I could have actually done. So uh, originally um, when Alex, when I was looking after Alex, I'd, I'd gone back to work because I thought that was really important to be working. And I mm. had um, a, a low paid office job. And so all of the money or majority was going on Alex's nursery and then I realized at some point, oh, they, the nursery is not looking after him properly. And I thought, actually, maybe I should look after him myself because mm. the money side is not there. If they're not looking after him as well, it doesn't make sense. And uh, so I, I started looking after him myself and I decided and, and went on benefits. And I decided to go to Open University because I hadn't finished my A-levels. Okay. And um, so I went to university with the Open University. And so I was studying and doing that while I, while Alex was little and, and growing up. Gosh, and what, what, what particular characteristics did that build in you going through such, you know, a hard, hard experience? Do you know what? People always describe me or people often describe me as uh, courageous. I really did not see myself as courageous. I just always feel that you take the hands you have been dealt Mm. and you do the best you can with them. And the best I could do was not like incredible or amazing, but I did the best I could. And, um, you know, Alex was a lovely baby as well. He was just perfect because he was just that sort of chatty, gurgly, uh, lovely um kind of little boy and just a cutie it wasn't like some of those horror stories you hear where people just cry babies cry 24 7 and stuff like that no 100 percent. and uh so you decided to go to um well do an open university um then did you decide to go into the corporate route or what, yeah what? i did 
Well, one of the things about Open University was I suddenly realized, oh my goodness, you are good at this. Because mm. with the university marking, most people get the equivalent of a 2 1. And on lots of these essays that we're doing, I was getting first, you know, way over 80, oh. and sometimes into the 90s, which was very unusual. They did not used to mark like that. Um, very often and I thought oh my gosh I'm good at this I'm good at this I'm good at essays I didn't think I was good at anything um, else but I thought oh I'm good at essays so I was even worried about getting a job because I thought I'm good at essays but there's no jobs where you're writing essays <laughs> um, but eventually step by step first of all I started working part-time at um, at uh, a university I, I went to university I did full-time after OU and then I got my degree then I went to do a master's degree and um, then I started working part-time at the university lecturing filling in for other lecturers and um, and then uh, gradually yeah I then stepped into the corporate world in jobs that were not really that well paid but every time I was taking a little bit more I was negotiating I was reading about mm. how to get jobs I had to do amazing interviews because not being a very confident person at the time, I, I realized that I could become good at interviews. And wow. I read this book, um, Great Answers to Tough Interview Questions. That was like gold. I gave it to so many people. And um, and I became good at interviews. And I remember one time I was going for interviews and I had applied for lots of jobs and I got six interviews and I got five offers wow. and one the other one I hadn't been for yet and I don't think I was going below my level in most cases I was going above my level but most people what I realized at the time because this was a while ago you know before Google wasn't like you know it wasn't like now where everything's mm. at your fingertips you really have to go and search yeah. out that information and most people did not have those skills I realized and like obviously with your moving to the corporate world, you probably had a stable income and you'll be able yeah. to support your child. Um, yes. So at what point were you like, right, nine to five just isn't for me. And then you decided to step into the world of entrepreneurship. Do you know what? I don't know if it would ever have happened. I, I quite a lot of just things did happen. I was in Birmingham. That's where, that's where I grew up. Okay. Um, went to university, et cetera. My son had my son, but in 2000, in 2000, we moved to Edinburgh. So that was a, a big move. So Alex was nine at that point. And, um, we moved to Edinburgh. I was doing my master's degree. I later got offered to do a PhD. I later started working for the Scottish government. That was my corporate job. Then I was the head of parliamentary liaison at the at Edinburgh council. Um, wow. and, um, yeah, life was good. And over the years, many things happened, <laughs> but it ended up that I found out about this role. Um, it was called project support data yeah. analyst. It was like project management support in a bank. So basically I thought, my goodness, this is an admin job, but it seems to be paying so many hundred pounds a day. I thought this can't be right. Uh, there's got to be some sort of mistake. Mm. Anyway, I looked into it and I applied and um, I got it and I got into project uh, management, although I wasn't even the project management. I was well paid for what I was doing compared with these other jobs where I've been working full time, flat out, 
you yeah. know um whereas this job i've now got a very small niche that i'm covering and also i'm being paid um through a limited company uh, on a decent decent salary so now i feel like oh my gosh that, this is it i've i've landed i've arrived and it was only in um 2016 yeah so as i say only uh, six, 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 almost 7 years ago I was I was working in Bristol by this time. Um, long, Alex moved to Birmingham. My son, he's grown up. He's he's an IT engineer, and I decided to move from Edinburgh and be closer. And so I moved to Bristol, and um, and so I, I'm working there. And my mum got sick. That was it. Oh. And I was. She called me up one morning. I was getting ready for work. I was sort of my mind was on all this presentation I was doing and everything that could go wrong. Mm. I need to be on time. I need to focus. I was trying to dash her off the phone so much. So, you know, those times when people start, she was like, going, Oh, sorry to bother you. Oh, right. Oh, oh I'll call you, <laughs> you know, different times. Bang. Yeah. And gets down. And then, um, so I went into work, did my presentation, all went fabulous. I'm sitting there looking out over the Harbour side. That's where I worked uh, at Bristol Harbour side. I was, I lived at, um, a lovely flat with a balcony, like 10 minutes walk from the, the office and uh, it was fab anyway so i'm looking out over the harbour side congratulating myself patting myself on the back yes steph oh my gosh you know you nailed it it was so mm. good The you know your line manager's raving and um and that's when i just thought mum just came into my head and i just thought oh you didn't she just was reaching out for that bit of connection reassurance yeah. everything's going to be okay mom she wasn't feeling well she's on her own bit of a sickening feeling isn't it yeah and that was the moment it's like there's all these everyday moments in life but some of them change everything and that was the one that changed everything because suddenly i just had this thought in my head the bank don't need you Mm. you know your mum does if you had never turned up at the bank ever again it would have been a minor inconvenience somebody else maybe would have learned the presentation and done it or whatever um but um I I just thought, who do I want to be? Who do I want to be now? Uh, at, at that time, I was forty five, and I just thought, I I want to be somebody who's there for my family. I think that's what means something. I want to be somebody who can be flexible about work. I don't want to be tied to this location or being in certain office. I want to be able to go and see my mum more flexible. Or if she was really sick, you know, mm-hmm. maybe I would move. So I need to be, you know, location independent and so on and. Uh, that was the moment that I got over all of the other, you know, the fears that mm. you can't do this, you can't be in business, you uh, are not set out for this. And and that was really the door opened in my mind and made it feel like a, a must, like a compulsion, like you cannot stay as you are. Um, but it did take me a while to find what could I do because I really did not feel confident to do business mm. and that's when property came in because i thought well if people can accidentally make money in property just mm. living in their house maybe i could do it intentionally yeah and you know was your property transition an almost interest-based one or was it purely um look i want to take this route was a good business to generate me a good income and have that flexibility 
Absolutely. And, and, and basically what I realized was, uh, like a lot of people, I thought you needed a lot to have a lot of money to get started in property. And I started going to all these property events and I was just, my, my mind was blown literally by what people were doing. And some of them, yes, did have, uh, you know, investors or they had, they had a lot of money. They had large sums of money. They were doing big developments, Mm -hmm. but other people were making money from properties they don't own. And they were doing so without having a lot of money to start off with. They had been in jobs, you know, a few years before and come out due to what they were doing and when I heard that I was my mind was blown I like I was I was listening and like you know when you just can't take it in too much for my brain and I thought wow but because I'd had that mind shift like when my mum got ill it made it seem like yes okay if they can do it I can do it Whereas mm. before it would have been, that's okay for them. They can do it, but I could never do that. Mm. Yeah, no, 100%. So how did you go, go about properly getting started in the space then? Well, I was just, I just felt like I was on fire, Tom. I never feel like I've ever had that before, um, That where it just feels like I've, I've got to do this. This is for me. This is, this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I just, um, obviously, I had lots of different fears come through my mind. But I, it just felt like this is my moment. This is my time. I cannot hang about. That might be partly to do with age. It just kind of felt like it's now or never. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And I just, I just, um, I realized that what they were doing. It was called rent to rent, renting properties instead of buy to let, where you pay fifty odd grand to buy a property. Maybe you get two hundred, three hundred pound cash flow back every month. Um, this way you can rent a property out rent it out again buy the room like a house share like a student share and make between anywhere between 500 and over a thousand pounds every month from the properties you don't own and you're only investing into the properties maybe sometimes as little as a few hundred pounds sometimes it might be a few thousand and sometimes nothing nothing at all and you're managing these properties and making that extra money and i just thought boom if i can manage a house which I could, I yeah. can do this, and um, and that's that's how it all started. Was it? Did you find it difficult for people to take you properly serious, especially being new? Yeah, um, I think it's always hard at the beginning to to find people to take you serious, and also to take yourself seriously. And also, as a black woman as well, I don't know if people always don't expect you to be uh, maybe a businesswoman, or as a woman as well, mm. um, do the people not expect? But I was just so determined. I just thought, whatever. If yeah. people are surprised, whatever. I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just made sure I took myself seriously. I knew I was going to do it. I knew that it was happening. I knew that I was going to obviously not get everything perfect. But I thought, I, I can do this with care. You see, I was seeing people doing it very slappy, sloppy, very not caring, mm. just all focused on the money, but not doing a good service. And I thought, well, I can do it and it can be a great service, right? And, you know, the business will make money. No, 100%. So do you reckon it was that, um, you know, proper care and the focus on delivering the best service possible that has really made you stand out from the majority of other, you know, rent to rent um, people or entrepreneurs? Yeah. Or- do you know what? I think it's just 
we called ourselves HMO Heaven because yeah. we wanted it to be a heavenly experience for uh, the housemates and for the landlords that we work with. But you know what? I don't think we had anything special. I think all it was was we were out there, we were talking to people, we we're saying, this is what we're going to do. It's going to be brilliant for you. You're going to have guaranteed rent, freedom from tenant management and total peace of mind. And most people said no, obviously. But yeah. you only need one. And with that first landlord... Um, he, because people say, well, why would somebody give it to you and like not a proper letting agent and all of that? And you didn't have any properties. What what rubbish are you talking? <laughs> the thing is, though, Tom, he's a person. That mm. man who's got them properties is a person. He's also a person who knows letting agents. Now, a lot of their letting agents have got hundreds of properties. They're not necessarily going to do a good job on managing a house share. He's had experience of that. Mm -hmm. So he had um, a group of four contractors come and he was going to be self-managing it. So he'd gone to an agent to say, find me a tenant. So he was doing the viewing, the landlord, with the agent and with us. He'd had these other four people come around, but he didn't like them because one of them smelled. So he said. And so we were in there, these two um, girls, well, and I don't shouldn't say girls, but uh, two women. And we've got these clipboards and we're saying to each other, oh, yes, we definitely change the carpets, wouldn't we, Nikki? And we definitely do this. And we definitely do that. And we just seemed so, I think to him, we just seemed like we were interested in his property. We were all yeah. over it. We seemed like we had a good heart. Uh, I think you can just get the vibe of somebody if you trust somebody or not. Uh, but he could tell that his properties were going to be our number one focus. He had two HMOs. And um, and I think that was what was it was. He knew it was our first one. He didn't even think we'd last. He he admitted years later. He said he didn't he didn't know if you would last, but he could see that you know your, our heart was in the right place, and that's why he went with us. And so every business is uh, where it's especially if it's business to I suppose it's business to consumer in this case, although he is a business kind of, but it's a person. Mm -hmm. He's yeah. making the decision and he's doing it based on um, his gut feeling partially yeah. on whether we're going to do a good job. And it's the same for, for everyone. Was it a snowball effect when you got that first deal? And what was it like when you got that deal as well? Were you just overwhelmed with joy? Oh, my gosh. I was, I was at my work in uh, Bristol. I uh, got my phone nearby in this open plan office and... Yeah. My phone started ringing. I could see it was the agent. I was nearly dropped my phone. I was trying to get out into the communals, into the hallway, so I could have this conversation. And the agent, I was convinced the agent was going to say, no, the landlord's not interested or whatever. So I nearly dropped my phone when he said, yes, the landlord wants to go ahead. And I I just had every emotion. I was so excited, but also so terrified. What if it doesn't work? What if this, what if we can't get tenants? What if we can't do it up? What if, what if, what if, what if, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I do not know how I thought about anything else. My mind was just totally consumed with this, these properties. Gosh. And, um, I'm guessing with rent to rent, you have to go after, is it a particular sort of landlord? Um, and so what strategy, works for you when finding those landlords to um do these rent to rent deals with yeah well like any business you need you need customers and ours are obviously recurring customers so it's great you don't have to have to find that many but what worked for us was going through letting agents that was the first mm. way and um, we always preferred where the letting agent was tenant find only that means that 
the letting agents only finding the tenant and after that you say goodbye to them and you work direct with the landlord that I like that mm-hmm. um and so we, we found quite a few through through the letting agents on the tenant find only basis and then the others we found through landlord letters mm-hmm. where each each HMO each council has a list of properties which are HMOs, which is houses of multiple occupation. Right. And those are the houses in the UK where you're allowed to do this house share, where each person has their own bedroom, they share a kitchen and they share bathrooms or they've got an ensuite. So a bit like what people know with the student house share, but that we were doing them for young professionals. So every council's got this landlord list. So we were writing letters because we did they didn't they only had the landlord address, not uh, email what have you we were writing letters to the people who were on this list saying hey um if you if you want to get guaranteed rent freedom from tenant management and total peace of mind we're amazing uh check these photos out before and afters or check this um check this what's it called testimonial out um you know and we just we just started from there and people started coming to us and uh the third way, the third best way is telling everybody what you do, because then we've had we've had properties from our cleaners. We've had properties from our builders. Mm. You know, just when people know what you do and they tell others. So. No, exactly. So it's, I guess what I'm getting from that is like the importance of having a really strong network when you're in the property space and yeah. being able to get the referrals from other people. Absolutely. And doing an amazing job because. When you do an amazing job in 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 property management, people mm. notice because not everyone's doing an amazing job. In fact, most people aren't. No, hundred percent. And Stephanie, do you have a like three step rent to rent process? Yeah, yeah, we do. It's a, it's a six step. So we've got the rent to rent success system, and that's what uh, you know we we published in our book. That's what we teach in our mentorship. And um, what what the what the system does is it just takes you through every step. So first of all, um, you've got your well, we, we do part just starting off for the mindset. We've got um, a part about the 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 overall process, how we do rent to rent to do it a win win win. We've got the part that's about mind your business, how to set up your business in the correct way, um, so that everything is about having the right foundations in place so that it's easy for you to run your business, so that it does not take a lot of time. So it's easy for you to outsource, and that's all to do with you know, how you set, uh, set it up in the first place. Then we've got magnetic marketing, which is what we, you just mentioned about, which is how we're attracting the right people to us, right. Um, both landlords and letting agents, how we're attracting the right people to us. So how we do that is by offering exactly what they're looking for, by knowing exactly what they're looking for and offering it to them using their language. So magnetic marketing, then we've got make the deals. How do you make a win-win deal for with a landlord or a letting agent? And then we've got uh, multiply. Uh, so how do you, you know, rinse and repeat this, manage and multiply so that you can do it, as I said, in a little bit of time, which is all about how to set up the properties, how to set up, uh, how to run the business, how to be able to outsource the business um, so that it's only taking, you're not replacing one job with another job. You've actually got a business asset that you can outsource and that will make money when you're not in it. No, that's that's incredible as well. Um, and yes, another good question to ask is, you know, what were the challenges that you initially faced when starting out a property and how did you overcome them? 
Yeah, I think the the biggest challenge is so getting started in rent to rent is much more simple and it's a low risk business uh, strategy. Uh, sorry, especially in property, in terms especially of the amount you invest. But I think the problem started coming for us when we started going into buying properties, developing properties, mm. um, because. Um, first of all, lending is based on what you've done before, what you've done in the past. So when you're doing something for the first time, uh, lenders are always more cautious because they haven't got see they can see you haven't got that track record. So when we went to buy in 2017, we went to buy our first um, our first commercial property, and we didn't realise. So we paid for it in cash. It was a uh, hundred forty-eight thousand pounds, and we paid for it in cash, thinking, oh, we can easily refinance out mm-hmm. easily refinance out but that was not an easy process because what we didn't realize was that lenders they don't they want to see that you have bought a commercial property before that you've managed yeah. a commercial property before that you've done a commercial conversion before um and we didn't have that we didn't have that experience so lots of lenders we weren't able to get lending However, we had this amazing broker. And like I was just saying to you, I was so surprised because I thought with mortgage lending, uh, with business lending, with commercial finance, that it would all be about the numbers. And um, But it's not, there's a story as well. So the broker uh, had to tell the story of who we were, what we'd done before, what we were doing now, the big refurbishments that we'd been managing for the people that we were managing the properties for mm-hmm. and um my sister had done a big refurbishment on her own home as well which was really dramatic and it, uh, drastically increased the price so all of this had to go into the story that was presented to the lenders and we got lending um and commercial lending is a little bit more tricky i think than than standard buy to let borrowing um and so i think it was just yeah going over those challenges and you know what I see a lot, Tom, is that people will say to me, oh, I can't do that because, and you, you know, we could have easily said, oh, we, we can't refinance because, but we just knew that if we had the right person, if we had the right lender, that it would work. And mm. it did work. And we, we got there. Oh, 100%. And what, what do you mean by refinancing? And how can that play to your advantage in property? Yeah. Oh, it's it's the biggest thing. So leverage. So it's like... If you get to buy something mm-hmm. and that thing can make you money mm-hmm. without you doing anything, then that's an asset. So if I spend 10K on an asset, but then the bank is going to give me 7.5K back, okay. I can then put that 7.5K somewhere and make money on that. So this one's making money and the other one's making money. Ah, oh, I see. So it's leveraging, isn't it? Leverage. Yeah. So I don't need to have my whole 10K in this property. Yeah. I can take some of it out and use it to buy another property and have two properties now making me a thousand pound a month or more. Oh, wow. That's incredible. And I guess we've talked a bit about like purchasing properties and investing. Um, and a key benefit I see with that is obviously, you know, the capital gain appreciation that you get from the asset. And obviously rent to rent takes away that aspect because yeah. you're not actually involved um in monetary terms in that property so what would be the key benefit of rent to rent compared to like buy refurbish refinance method yeah 
So rent to rent is a great way to get cash flow, to get money coming past. It's like a business. Well, it is a business. It's a business. So you don't own any assets. You don't get any capital appreciation, but you get to make lots more money than you would do. So if you've run out of cash for buying properties or you just haven't got the right credit or you can't buy a property right now, excuse me, you can make money from properties you don't own in the meantime and use that cash to invest in property or do whatever you want to do. So rent to rent can be a great first step. It's not the only first step to investing in property, but mm -hmm. for people, how I like to think of it is we love to inspire non-traditional property investors. So people exactly like me who maybe thought, oh, property is not for people like me. I don't have the right contacts. I'm not the right kind of person. I didn't really see role models um, like me, do, you know, investing in property. So you can get the idea that it's a very white male uh, sector. Yeah. And maybe, maybe it is, but that doesn't mean to say that you uh, can't get started in it. So I, I see what our magic is um, helping non traditional property investors who thought maybe they didn't have enough money, they didn't have enough time, they didn't have enough knowledge to get started in property using a simple step by step process. Because once you get that experience of managing other people's property, making money from it to do what you want, it gives you so much more to be able to know it's so easy then to build up the capital to be able to buy mm. buy properties. And also, as I mentioned earlier, to have lenders and other investors yeah. trust in you because you've now got experience. That, that makes so much sense. And to put it into context for someone like myself, who's a student, young student, always strapped for cash and they don't, really understand much about property but they want to get involved in it what would you advise for someone like myself to get started and how would yeah you doing that well lots of big developers actually started while they were at uni and they started a rent to rent so i did a, a big event with uh property by kazi recently on instagram uh kazim balogan and he's a big developer in london mm -hmm. and while he was at uni he started renting a property and renting out the rooms uh, to his student friends. So obviously it was so easy for him. Anthony Laville, Mr. Big Deals Only, property developer, you'll see him on Insta as well. He started off uh, renting out a rooms again. He was speaking to his landlady and there was some dispute with the letting agent. I can't remember the exact story, but he just said to the landlady or the owner of the property, oh, do you want me to manage it for you and pay you the rent on? And then he collected the rent, which was one amount, and he paid the agreed amount to the landlady and he made the the difference. And he thought, wow, this is good. I'm sort of living here rent free. Yeah. So, oh, well, what about if I did this with other properties? That landlady was up for it. I could do it. And from there, he had a few on the go. Then when he left uni, he fully set up uh, a letting agency and he carried on from there. So they get, there's a lot of opportunity out there, isn't it, for someone like myself who's, you know, completely strapped for cash and wanting to get, you know, involved in this space. But um, Stephanie, what would you say separates, you know, successful people in property from people who don't succeed? Yeah, well, I can talk about this as well, because I've always been the same person. I've had the same potential, but I didn't realise it in both senses of the word realise. I didn't know it. And also I didn't make it real until mm. six years ago. And the only difference is that I believed I could. I believe I can be a successful businesswoman. I believe I can be a successful property investor. I believe I can have a trust because what, what we're doing, Nikki and I, is building up hundreds of units of property that we own, flats and so on. 
And we just thought about, oh, what are we going to do with this when we're no longer here? Um, mm. We're going to um, set it up in trust to provide accommodation for people who struggle to find mm. uh, a high quality accommodation. And we're going to uh, provide them with education also because it sounds so basic, but even just the knowledge, you can buy your own property. You can increase your credit. You can start taking some of the money you make from your poorly paid job and start investing it or start saving it to invest. Mm. Um start saving up for your deposit. Some people just never have had that information told to them. No. Mm. And when you start when you're young, it changes everything. Mm. So I feel I didn't know all these things. I had no idea. In fact, I believe the opposite. Not only was it, it wasn't available to me. I shouldn't even look uh, into those rooms. And so one of my joys in life has been when my son was little, um, Alex, I just, you know, he was always missing out on things I felt. I couldn't offer him these things. Yeah. He didn't have what other people had. And um, also, you know, a lot. He, he used to go to Cubs and it was very difficult for me to get into that Cubs because I didn't drive mm. and the buses didn't go exactly to where this Cubs place was. And so we'd have to walk in the winter and wait at the bus, you know, all of this. It, mm. I mean, I know a lot of people have a lot more hardship, but what I'm saying is that now... As a young adult, I've been able to say to him, you know, even on an, you know, an average salary, save up, you know, he he got the help to buy ISA. He put all his own money. He um, bought his own house, he's done it up. He's now investing in his stocks and shares ISA. And I know that in his lifetime, he will certainly be over a million pounds within that savings, that investment that he's now doing, that he would never have started if we hadn't been able to give that gift of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I feel, I feel super grateful that that came into my life, you know, in my, in my forties and that I had the courage to, you know, go with it and start Mm -hmm. it up. It's totally, it's totally changed who I am. You know, I said to you, I used to be a bit shy and, uh, well, very shy. And now I'm not. Mm-hmm. No, hundred percent. And, um, I guess it's that, as you say, the gift of knowledge and the belief that you had in yourself to be able to go out there and make something happen. And that's just really inspirational for anyone. Um, but what is rent to rent success? Cause obviously that's um, a business for you, isn't it? That's obviously yeah. doing well. Well, rent to success is a phenomenal business because it, it, <clears throat> it feeds that passion to share this with people who didn't think that they could uh, to inspire non-traditional investors to get started and to do so for a very little cost. So uh, what I mean to say is we we wrote the book so that for a tenor, um, you know, you can you can get that book and get all the steps of what to do and then just trial and error it yourself. Um, and we've got a podcast as well. I know that if people are listening here, they might, uh, they like podcasts. So, uh, it's called the Rent to Rent Success podcast. It's the number one podcast on this topic. And there we talk about different aspects of it, but also lots of success stories on there. So it really helps people see lots of different ways that people are doing it. People who never thought they were being property, people of all ages from people who are not even 20 yet, right up to people, um, in their fifties. Um, I know that you can go beyond as well, but um, yeah, um, 
Has that, has that answered? Yeah, no, no, that, that's answered it very well. So, um, you know, have you got any new opportunities coming out with Rent to Rent Success? Anything in the pipeline? Yeah, I think a great way. If people are interested and they're thinking, oh, what gets us some property with little money? Okay, then a, a great thing to do would be to go to... Um, to go to the Rent to Rent Success Masterclass. And if you go to the Rent to Rent Success Masterclass, you'll be able to get um you'll be able to get the the masterclass and also a guide and you'll be able to see that step by step system. So I'll give you the link uh rent to rent success dot com slash journey. We'll call it slash journey. Um, so that people can get the rent to rent success masterclass there if they if they want that. And I'll do um I'll do I'll do a free copy of the book also. Uh so I'll call that book journey. Uh <laughs> red to red success.com slash book journey if people want to go and get a free copy of the book. Um, because I think those two free ways are great ways to start for people to get the framework, see if they like it once they read more about it, and then they can start taking steps from there. And for people who want to take it to the next level, we do have a mentorship as well where we go alongside you. Uh, but that is more of an investment. Uh, but the book and the masterclass is a great way to start. And lots of people do get started just from that free uh, information. Well, I'll plug those all in the description, Stephanie, and thank you for giving those uh, resources out as well. I'm sure everyone who's looking to start the journey in this will really appreciate that. Um, but I guess a, a key question that I've been really desperate to ask you, Stephanie, is that is there anything that excites you about the future outlook in the property space? Yes. Any new exciting um, a revolution or what, 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 what's driving you and what's exciting you right now in the space? Well, what I love about uh, business and um, is that everything every in every time there are opportunities so right now we're going into a recession there are opportunities mm-hmm. um and in property especially for people buying property it looks as though the market's going to dip so that's an opportunity people will struggle more to get to lending so that's an opportunity and um and in rent to rent and rental there's so much demand for rental properties um the rental demand is so strong and even the high utilities the rents are going up to outstrip that um i know that it does make life hard for people and mm-hmm. you know i was one of the people who've been struggling for years but i think when you're in business you can adapt what you're doing to the circumstances so that you can ride the storms and also you know grow even in times when it's not not a growth time. So for me personally, uh, what excites me is is growing the businesses, growing the owned portfolio that I know is going to go into trust. Um, and, you know, we've got some fun things happening, like my sister and I have never been car people. My sister's been driving a car that is 21 years old, a Mercedes CLK, that she's been that she's owned for 17 years. It looks like oh. it's sand blasted. And um, we've just not really focused on cars. I'm driving a, a Nissan Duke. Don't know why I bought that car. It's normally for like families who are sort of budgeting. <laughs> and that's not my position at all. Um, but we're getting we're getting where so that'll just be some a fun investment. Well, not really an investment, buying a liability. So we're gonna get some uh Porsche Taycans. Oh, wow. Um 
Yeah, well, I've been told it's Porsche, actually, which goes to show what I know. But uh, <laughs> electric cars, because you can then buy them through your business and be tax efficient. Um, so so I think um, that's a fun thing. But the, the thing that excites me is building up, having that trust, uh, building up that business, inspiring more people to get started. And beyond property, I just want people to use their mind in the best possible way. Mm. And a lot of us, you don't know that, you know, you, well, many people don't understand really that they control everything. Nobody else's actions control what we think. We get to choose what we think about anybody's actions, no matter how horrendous, we get to choose what we think and how we Mm -hmm. act. And I think once you get that at a really uh, visceral level, once that is the truth for you, your life totally changes. So we also have Blow Up Your Life, where we coach women over 40 to blow up their lives over 40 in terms of um, business, in terms of wealth, in terms of just doing the things that they absolutely want to do and why. And it's all by, it all comes from what you said earlier, Tom, just believing that you can. Mm-hmm. No, that's incredible and i guess a great question to spin off from that and a great place to wrap up would be you know what would be your number one piece of advice to any entrepreneur out there who's yeah. you know looking to capitalize on opportunities yeah so i think it would be the motto that we uh live by is believe bigger be bolder be a game changer so believe bigger is what we've been talking about this whole time is that anything is possible when you can really believe it. Belief is a practice. Mm. So some of the things that you will want to believe or need to believe, like, you know, I will make a million pounds in my business. So we, we have multiple businesses. And when we first started to believe that, it felt unbelievable. Then we achieved it. Then the next goal, it starts to feel unbelievable again. And mm. then you achieve it. So believe bigger is about the practice of realizing that you have that capacity to believe and practicing into that belief in spite of all the doubts and fears and all of the other stuff that comes up. So believe bigger. Be bolder is that as soon as you do that, people are going to try and knock you down. They're going to try and criticize you. They're going to say you're wrong. They're going to say you've changed. They're going to say lots of things and some of them are going to be right as well okay some of them are going to be people you love and respect but you have to be able to be bolder and have people be wrong about you have you be able to criticize your own self and just stand strong in being bolder and knowing that sometimes it's not going to feel good okay but sometimes it doesn't feel good where you are Mm -hmm. either so be bolder move towards your goals Be a game changer is when you change the game in your own life. You know, I've told you about some of the some of the steps in my own life going from somebody who really felt they didn't deserve anything really beyond what I I, I already had um, to somebody who I'm now totally in control of what I create in my life. And that's being a game changer. And when you do it for yourself, it inspires everybody around you as well. So it changes things for your family. Like I've been able to pass on the knowledge um, with my son, my mum, and and others around me. And um, so it changes things for your family. It changes things for your community. We give to charity regularly and we have plans for the future that a lot of the assets that we build up will also um, be in charitable trusts. So being a game changer is leaving everyone, including yourself, better off 
than when you came here so that your impact of being alive, being in your businesses and doing what you do um, has, has had that game-changing effect. That's incredible advice and a great place to wrap up the podcast on. Um, Stephanie, thank you very much for hopping on. Really appreciate your time and can't wait to get this out to the viewers. Have you got any last or final words that you just want to share? No, I, I just hope you've enjoyed the podcast. I'd love to connect with you. If you want to catch up, I'm at renttorentsuccess.com or I'm on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, all the places, Facebook at Rent to Rent Success. I'll plug those all in the description along with the um, free resources as well, Stephanie. Um, but yeah, that's a wrap. And uh, if you like these episodes, please make sure that you're subscribing, dropping a comment and liking. Um, we really appreciate the support. We've been growing quite nicely. And uh, make sure you stay tuned for future episodes. Thank you very much.